0: Your source of truth will determine the course of your life. Let me repeat that, because that is the key take-home message for today. Your source of truth will determine the course of your life. There are lots of sources of truth claiming to be the truth. But as Graham said when he quoted John Wesley, there is a singular source of truth on the narrow path. There's only one. But you need to choose that one singular source of truth if you are to live the course of life that God has planned for you. We've been looking at a sermon series called Prayer That Overcomes and one of the ideas that will be woven through this entire series is this idea that it's context that rules when we look at God's source of truth in his word. It's context, not pretext. And we've been looking at pretext and defining it as a reason given in justification of a course of action that is not actually the real reason. In other words, pretext is text without any context. It's taking something out of where it belongs and giving it a different meaning. So we are now in the middle of all the hoolah that goes on before a political election. There are plenty of opportunities for you to notice pretext. And what the politicians love doing is they love doing a form of pretext called the straw man. So what they do is Kevin Rudd listens very closely to what Tony Abbott says and Tony Abbott listens very closely to what Kevin Rudd says and they will take one sentence that they say, they'll take it out of context and they'll repeat it to make them look stupid, dumb, extreme. And they're not the only two. This is a common method used in politics. It's pretext. Notice it as you listen to the news this week. Listen to when they take one quote, pull it out of context and use it to say something that it wasn't originally meant to say. So we've got to be well aware of pretext. It's all around us. But when we do this series, we want to make sure that what we're looking at is in the context And the context for us is Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 20. And our context is that spiritual armour is within the context of prayer that overcomes. Pray in the Spirit. Pray on all occasions. Pray with all kinds of prayers. Praying while being alert or watchful. Praying for all the Lord's people. Praying for Paul, a personal prayer request. And he says, pray that I might preach boldly. Praying for his ministry. This is the context of spiritual armour. It's prayer that overcomes. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful that we can come boldly to your throne of grace and pray. Thank you for the privilege of prayer, Lord. May we never take it for granted. May we never think that prayer is a waste of time. May we never believe the deception that prayer doesn't work. Lord Jesus, help us to accept your beautiful word as the only source of truth for the course of our lives. Lord Jesus, may each person in this room make a very careful choice about their source of truth. I pray, Lord Jesus, stir up their heart through your spirit. Lord Jesus, show them, tell them, give them ears to hear your voice today. In your holy name, Jesus, and everyone said... Amen. So what we've been looking at in this series is that Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 to 20 is not just about the armour of God. Two weeks ago Mark told us about being strong in the Lord. Last week he preached about standing your ground and standing firm. And this week we're going to look at keeping your belt on through prayer. And the verse we're going to be using as our base verse, as our key verse today, is Ephesians 6 verse 14. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. You know, in James 1 chapter, chapter 1 verse 21, he tells us that there is moral filth and evil that is prevalent. There's a prevalence of moral filth and evil which means there's an abundance of it it's everywhere so if we think we can pick and choose when we need to put our belt on and when we don't we've already been deceived we have to put it on it says and buckle it around your waist that means secure it do not take it off keep putting it on it is really important we understand we need this every single day We need to be praying every single day. We're meant to be praying without ceasing. So the very first deception when it comes to the belt of truth is that, "Mm, I'll just grab it when I need it. Moral filth and evil is prevalent. It's in abundance. We have battle every single day. So as a soldier of battle, imagine you're a Roman soldier and you've got one of those long tunics on that they used to wear. That's where this is actually spoken of in the bible it's in this context that they had these long tunics on so the very first step that you need to take before you can take a step is you need to get rid of these long garments because if you don't you'll trip over them and you will fall so the very first step is you need to gather up all these long garments with the belt of truth and get them out of the way so that you can battle if we don't if we leave the belt of truth and think we don't really need it, the very first step you take, you'll trip and fall. You fall, you fall onto the ground, you're lying on the ground. You can't stand when you're lying on the ground. He's already got you. He can kick you when you're down real easy. So the very first step is to recognise you need the belt of truth so you don't fall over yourself. Because all of those attacks come in here. Just like Emily said, it happens so quick, the thoughts come in. Just like Param said, we need to be putting on this spiritual armour all the time. There's a really important message we need to start with. We need this 24-7, not just when the going gets tough. We need to keep our belt on. So today we're looking at prayer that overcomes and we need to make sure we keep our belt on. I'm going to need some help, so I need some helpers. Esther, you'd love to come and help me. Can you come up here and just sit here, my darling? Thank you. Who else looks like they'd love to help me? Someone that's putting their head down, like Michaela. You could come out and come and sit right here next to Esther. That would be good. Who else? Maggie, come out. I'd love you to come and help me. Come and sit here. Come and sit right here. So that's three. I need one more. Hmm. Oh, Nelly, you shouldn't look down. See, when you look down, that means I'm going to pick you. Come on, darling. Okay, now, it's really simple. Seriously, you don't need to be nervous. What I'm going to do is I'm going to show you exactly what I want you to do. It'll be easy. So all you have to do is you're sitting, I'll say your name, you come out. You need to choose one of these belts. So you might think, oh, I like that one. Then you need to put it on. Buckle it on. And then you just stand there. That's it, that's all you have to do. That's not hard, hey? All right, two steps. One step, choose the belt. Second step, you gotta put it on, buckle it on. Okay, you guys are doing so well. All right, now, Anella, what I want you to do is take the belt off, and I just want you to show everybody, yeah, take it off, the belt, and just show everybody what's on the other side of the belt. Is there anything on the inside? Okay, great, and then can you pop it in the purple bag, and then you can sit down, you're done. Woo! Maggie, can you take the belt off? Can you just show everyone what's on the inside of your belt? Okay. Great. And can you pop it in the purple bag? And you're done. Whew. Michaela, guess what you've got to do? Take the belt off. Chelsea inside of the belt. Pop it in the bag and you get to sit down. You're all done. And the inside is red. Okay, thank you. And pop it in the belt. Esther, you do the same. Just take it off. Chelsea inside of the belt. Uh-huh. And pop it in the back. These girls need a huge round of applause because they had no clue what they were going to have to do. There's one belt left. It's really interesting that no one chose this belt. Don't you think? Of all the belts, this one got left behind. You probably can't see from where you're sitting, but this is the oldest belt. I used to wear this... I bought this in 1987, this belt. It's all scratched on the end. It's kind of skinny. It's a bit old-fashioned. It's wider now, not skinny. It's gold. And I kind of helped it along a little bit last night with a pocket knife, and I just sort of scraped little holes in it, and then bits of it came off. Did you notice bits came off this belt? It's not very nice-looking. In fact, it's kind of well-worn, this belt, and it's not very attractive at all. So if you were getting dressed in the morning, you probably wouldn't want to put this belt on. In fact, I don't think I've worn this belt in 15 years. It's still in the back of the cupboard, but this belt, it's not really that attractive at all. In fact, this belt is falling apart. But you know what's interesting about this well-worn belt, this belt that's not very attractive? There's something really special about this belt. What's different? You see, only this belt is the word of truth. Only this belt is the word of God. And only this belt is the one that got left behind. I would have chosen the other belts too. I wouldn't want to pick up that belt if I'm getting dressed in the morning. In fact, I don't pick up that belt when I'm getting dressed in the morning. But you know, when we're putting our spiritual clothes on, this is the only belt The only belt That's going to keep us safe And is going to give us The real source of truth If we pick up any other belt We're going to be deceived You see, there's other belts you could pick up This belt says Pick me, I'm the source of truth I use the scientific method I've got 10 research studies to show you what the truth is Pick me Just go to the research That's your source of truth And then there's another belt and says, oh, no, pick me. I'm the popularity belt. Everybody thinks this is the truth. Pick me. Put me on. I'll keep you safe because everyone reckons this is the truth. Really? No, 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 no. Pick me. Look at these glittery bits. I look so good. The truth must look good and feel good. That's how you determine what the truth is. You see, we've got all these choices. There's not just one choice in terms of our source of truth. But you know, your source of truth will determine the course of your life. So this is a really important choice that we make every single day. But notice there were two steps. One is we need to choose the belt. And the second step is we need to put it on. There's plenty of us that say, yeah, I love the Bible. I think it's good. But you know, I just might leave that on my bookshelf because it's a bit boring and it's a bit hard to read and you know, I'll just let someone else tell me about it. You know, you've got to put it on. Each one of us has to put it on. We can't leave it on the shelf. Every single day, we've got to pray and say, God, help me accept your word of truth. Help me not fight your word of truth or not like your word of truth or only put it on when I agree with your word of truth. Help me to accept every single word of your word of truth. That is how we fight the spiritual battle. Every single day. You see, it's the Bible that's falling apart that usually belongs to somebody who isn't. Just because the belt is falling apart doesn't make it a dodgy belt. It doesn't make it a dodgy source of truth. It's falling apart from use. That's how our Bible, that's how his word is going to help us overcome the spiritual battle that we face every single day. This is the Bible that's going to help this person. This is the belt, the well-worn one, the one that's falling apart. That's what we want to be doing every single day. So we want to ask God to help us choose his word as source of truth, but we also want him to help us to put it on, help us choose the right one and help us to put it on. This is an interesting piece of information. Let me read it to you because it's a bit hard to read. It says, the top 10 most read books in the world. Okay, so you'll notice the first one. So on the side there, the scale is millions of copies. And on the side there, you'll see millions of copies. And the very first one is the Holy Bible. Woo! It's huge. This picture is claiming it's the number one most read book in the world. Nothing else comes close. Okay, you might be interested to know the next one is the quotations from Chairman Mo Sedong in China. Then there's Harry Potter. Then there's Lord of the Rings. Then the Alchemist. Then the Da Vinci Code. Then the Twilight Saga. Gone with the Wind. Think and Grow Rich. And the Diary of Anne Frank. Interesting, isn't it? Interesting piece of information. Interesting, i have got this little red book Quotations from Chairman Mo Sedong is an interesting one. And, and really, if you stop and look at this information and think about it, we've got to be really careful we don't get deceived. Because this is claiming to be a source of truth. It's on the internet. I got this from the internet. Isn't everything on the internet true? Hmm. Maybe we need to be careful that we don't go- get deceived with pretext taken out of context. Because that's something that is a favourite Little ploy of the devil. You see, first of all, the little red book, the quotations from Mao Zedong, it's actually on there because the the people in China were required to read that. You see, they were required to understand the ideology of the Chinese Communist Party. So why is it on there? Well, it's interesting that all the other books are a choice, but that one, that wasn't a choice. So we've got to remember that little red book was a book where this huge population in China was required to read that book. So we've got to keep that in mind when we're looking at this as a source of truth. But you know the the, the bigger deception in this particular piece of information? Notice it says top 10 most read books in the world. How would they know who's reading what? See the little writing uh, underneath where it says top 10 most read books in the world? This is what the little writing says. Based on number of books printed and sold over the last 50 years. You know, devil really is in the detail, isn't he? See, that's the true context. And this is the assumption they're making. If they've printed and sold this many holy Bibles, they're claiming that everyone that's bought a Bible has read the Bible. But you know, we can fall into the same trap real easy. We can buy a Bible, we can stick it on our bookshelf, we can never read. Or, you know, sometimes if I'm feeling really bad or something awful happens and I might go scurrying to open my Bible to maybe use it. But you know, there's a big assumption here. Just because we go and get a Bible, just because we take it home, doesn't mean that we're putting it on. Yes, we need to buy a Bible. Yes, we need to choose the Bible as our only source of truth. But we've got to put it on. We've got to read it. We've got to interact with him as we read this. We've got to pray and say, God, help me accept every word, even if I don't understand it initially. Show me. Help me understand this word. Help me when I don't want to even accept and receive this word because it's yucky. I don't like it. This is convicting me. It's prayer that overcomes. It's effective prayer that overcomes. An effective prayer is coming humbly before God and saying, God, forgive me for not picking up my Bible. Forgive me for ignoring you. Help me. Help me put your word on every single day, not just on the days when I think I might need you. You see, this belt of truth, it's meant to be buckled around our waist and kept there every single day. But to do that, we've got to keep putting it on because there's going to be other belts that are tempting us and saying, you want to take that one off. It's ugly and used and it's not in fashion anymore. In fact, don't any people in the 1930s and 40s read the Bible? Aren't we all about the scientific method now? That's all that stuff. We've got to recognise that there are other competing sources of truth and the source of truth that you choose is going to determine the course of your life. Do not underestimate the importance of this decision. Where is your source of truth? And who is your source of truth? If it ain't Jesus, it'll be somebody else. If you're not filling your mind and filling your heart with Jesus, someone else is filling it with something else. And it ain't the truth. So we're going to make this decision every single morning when we wake up. We've got to choose our source. We've got to choose and we've got to read. But you know, this all starts with one decision to say my source of truth needs to be inerrant. The, the, the Bible is often described as being inerrant and infallible. Inerrant means it's 100% correct. Absolutely no errors. We have to understand that we want to choose a source of truth with no errors that is perfect. But do you actually believe the Bible is inerrant, that it is 100% correct? No mistakes at all. It is 100% reliable. You can absolutely depend on it to be true, every single word. That, if you don't have that absolute conviction, you'll take this belt off in a moment when the going gets tough because you'll think, ooh, not sure that's what he really meant. Ooh, this is so much louder over here on the TV. This is so much louder over here from my friends who are telling me the Bible is rubbish and it's just old hat. I want to tell you a story about two young men. Two young men who had to make a very important choice. They're around about, you know, end of... They're probably more like Josh's age when this occurred. So these two young men, their names were Billy and Charles. Now, Billy and Charles were were Christians. They were actually evangelists. And Billy and Charles were really good mates and agreed on most things until Charles decided, you know, this Bible, I actually think it's written by a human being or a number of human beings. It's actually no different to any other book. It's just got a whole heap of books written by a whole heap of people from a long time ago and it's a historical record and really it's no different to any other book on my bookshelf. So Charles came to that conclusion and was now trying to convince Billy of this conclusion. He said, Billy, why are you treating this as something special? This is like any other book. Now Billy has to make a choice. Billy has to decide for himself, as each of we as we do too. We have to decide: Do we think the Bible is 100% accurate, absolutely no mistakes, 100% reliable? We can know that it's the absolute truth. So Billy was really um, struggling because this is a good mate of his. He really respected him as an evangelist, so he started questioning this. So one day he went for a walk, a long, long walk. And he sat down on this big rock. He got his Bible out and he put it on the stump of a tree. And he decided to pray. Let me read you out the prayer that Billy prayed. He said, Oh God, I cannot prove certain things. I cannot answer some of the questions Charles is raising and some of the other people are raising But I accept this book by faith as the word of God. That is the prayer, that is the very prayer that overcame for Billy that day. Because you know Billy, Billy Graham, he changed the world, that man. But it started with that decision to say, this book is not like any other book. This is the inspired word of God. Every single word. He commented on that decision. He commented on that decision and and he was referring to that single resolution as being that decision. He said, that gave power and authority to my preaching that has never left me. The gospel in my hands became a hammer and a flame. I felt as though I had a a rapier, that's a weapon in my hands, and through the power of the Bible was slashing deeply into men's consciousness, leading them to surrender to God. So that's an amazing course of life based on his choice of the source of truth for his life. Do you know, sadly for Charles, Charles Templeton, He was known as Chuck, as a lot of those Americans are. Do you know, sadly for him, he left the ministry, and even worse, he left his faith. And do you know, many, many years later, when he was about 83, a journalist went to interview him. And the journalist said, tell me about that decision you made as a young man, a young man of... 21 or 22, tell me about that that decision. And you know, Charles looked at him and he said, I miss Jesus. He burst into tears and that was the end of that interview. He couldn't talk. He was so distraught. He was so upset when he reflected back on that decision he made on his source of truth for his life. You know, he missed Jesus because he missed his word. He decided his word was a book. It was just white paper with a bit of black ink. It wasn't any different to any other book. But you and I don't have to miss Jesus. You and I don't have to miss his word. You and I can choose his word as our source of truth. And we can put it on. We're free to do that. Unlike in many other countries, we are totally free to choose his word and put it on every single day. We have to think very carefully. These are important choices. Are we going to choose our source of truth just like Billy did? Or are we going to choose our source of truth like Charles did? because their source of truth changed the entire course of their lives so when you make this decision if you're sitting here right now and not feeling like well I kinda like the Bible I think it might be useful maybe if you want some more information do you know Nathan set up a fantastic website full of information and resources spend some time on cdmchurch.com if you go to the very first page and then scroll right down the bottom there's a little square like that black square that says there is a god if you click on that you'll come to this page which says there is a god and there's a track that you can download and there's theology notes that you can download and investigate and explore this for yourself because there's some great information there about the word of God is this book any different to any other books take this information chew it over think about it. it there's some great material there and it's all about there is a God and he wrote a book some great material there chew it over think about it this is an important decision It's not your parents' decision. This is your decision because it's your life. Not your parents, not your friends. It's yours. You see, the fundamental, central, and ultimate difference between the Word of God as your source of truth and any other book is that it is inspired by God Himself. That's enormous. It's inspired. Okay. I want you to take out a sheet of paper or turn the page in your book or if you don't have a paper and pen, you'll need to think about this and try and hold some information in your head. I want you to write down exactly what you saw this morning from the time when Mark said or hand it over to me. He said some words and handed it over to me. Then there were six specific events that occurred before I spoke my very first words. So what I want you to do is write all of that down. It's going to look something like this. I want you to write down what were the very last words that Mark said when he introduced me. Then there's six different things happened. And then I want you to write down what were the very first words that I spoke. Okay, you've got two minutes, so go for it. All right, so you've had a couple of minutes, very quick two minutes. What were the words that Mark said? What were the last words that came out of Mark's mouth before I came up? Over to Liz. It's your turn. Anyone else want to have a go? Okay, Claudia, what did Mark say? Can you show me? Mark said, Liz... Your turn. Did anyone get that? Woo! One! Cat. All right. Amazing. All right. What about, let's jump down to what I said. What were the very, very first words that I said? Woo! That's great! Your source of truth will determine the course of your life were the very first words I spoke. Put your hands up if you remember that, you wrote that down. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. Okay, now, one to six. What happened in between? What happened from the time Mark said, whatever he said, Liz, over to you, your turn, and from the time that happened until the time I spoke? There were six different events. All right, have a think about that. Review your notes. Claudia's going to show us. Aren't you, Claudia? You done? Okay. To help you, Claudia's written them on the whiteboard for you. Here they are. Check your notes. How did you go? I set up my iPad. I wrote something on my papers, which is I write the time. Whenever I start, I write the time down to remind myself how am I going. I took a sip of water. I walked over to Heike and said, hi, good to see you. Oh, I walked over to Kathy. Claudia, I told you the wrong person. That was my fault. Gee, my eyewitness account isn't good and I'm actually the person doing it. Ah, the order of it. Very good. We're going to do that next. Put a purple Coles bag on the chair and I walked over to the table at the front. Now, that's what happened. But what order did they occur in? Do you know? Can you remember what order they occurred in? Claudia, show us what was number one? What's the first thing that happened? I went over to Kathy first. Then what happened next? What's number two? Walked to the table, number three. Put the bag on the chair, number four. Okay, number five. And number six. Fantastic, thank you. You're a good detective. Okay, how many people got all six of those pieces of information? Oh, how many people got them in the right order? No one. Not very good eyewitnesses, are you? Except for Kath, of course. She did a good job. Were you? <laughs> What's the point? What what, what conclusion can we make from this little exercise? What could I possibly be trying to demonstrate here with this exercise? We cannot trust human beings' eyewitness accounts of events. Because, you know, that only happened about half an hour ago. How long was it before the accounts and the historical data of walking with Jesus occurred and then Matthew, Mark, Luke and John wrote the Gospels? Was it half an hour or was it longer? That's a strange noise. There was a huge time period. It was more than half an hour. So... If we can't even remember what happened half an hour ago with some simple little activities, some simple little statements made, why on earth should we believe and trust that the Bible is 100% accurate, no errors, if it's a whole heap of eyewitness accounts? This thought is going to come into your head. In fact, it might not just be a thought. It may be a friend called Charles who says, oh, the Bible, it's just full of eyewitness accounts. Of course they got it wrong. In fact, have you noticed that when Matthew describes something and Luke describes something, it's a little bit different? See, there you go. How do you answer that? How do you deal with that? Because we've just demonstrated it. You've got proof now. We did this little thing in church. It was only half an hour. All I had to do was remember what happened from the time to time and nobody could do it in the whole room. These doubts will come. These deceptions will come. We have got to have some sort of conviction about the word of God. Is it believable and trustworthy or is it not? what do you feel right now? Do you feel a sense of "e"? Oh, well, maybe I'm not so sure. Well, do you have an answer for this? Here's the answer. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Above all, says Peter. This is from Second Peter, which is missing. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 20 to 21. Timothy says at first, he says, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God, or all scripture is God-breathed. And Peter says, above all. Notice that. Above all. Keep this very, very first. Above all other belts and sources of truth. Above all else. You must understand something here about the word of God. Notice he's saying above all, take note, put this above everything else. You must understand that no prophecy, and what's prophecy? It's speech originating from divine inspiration. No prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. We are not relying on a human brain to recall the accounts of Jesus in the Gospels nor anything else in the Bible. We are not relying on an infallible, imperfect human being's memory. It's prophecy. It's inspired by God. This book is written by God through human hands. That's a big difference any other book you're going to pick up because any other book is just human. That's what this scripture says to us. Peter goes on, For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The writing of the Bible is from God himself. God is the author of the Bible. So you're relying not on human beings' memory or character. It's the nature and character of God himself. He's the one you're trusting behind these words. Not some human being that wrote these ideas down. This is God. This is God himself. Jesus is the word. This is a weird kind of mysterious thing that when we interact with this word, we are interacting with Jesus himself. This is like no other book. Don't mix it up, don't be deceived Don't think that this is a book written from a human, a human idea This is not a human concoction This is not a human recall This is inspired by God This is written by God This is prophecy This is God breathed This is like no other book So when you're choosing your source of truth Which is going to determine the course of your life Think very carefully before you decide, eh, that Bible, it's just like any other book. Be very careful before you leave this book that is not very attractive in the world. There's so many other sources of truth that are so much more attractive, so much more glittery, so much more popular. Your source of truth is going to determine your course of life. Make very certain where you're going for your source of truth. It's easy to be deceived in this world. This world is full of moral filth and evil. It's prevalent. It's just everywhere. So to overcome the wiles of the devil and all his deceptions, we need to keep the only belt of truth, the word of God, firmly buckled on. We've got to keep it on if we don't want to be deceived. Let's open his word. Let's open to James chapter 1, and we're going to read from verses 12 to 22. Let's read from verse 12. James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. So stop there. The context that we're going to look at, because we want to look at this, this passage of Scripture which is very well known and often quoted. Everyone should be quick to listen. Notice what we're talking about here. James is saying, I'm setting the scene here. There's something really important. I want you to notice, don't be deceived. He's saying, there's a spiritual battle going on. Don't be tempted, don't be deceived. And I'm going to show you how you can make sure that you don't be deceived. So that's the context here. When we're thinking about this scripture, everyone should be quick to listen. It's got something to do with not being deceived. Let's go on from verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. So note, there's two actions here, two intentional acts. We need to reject the evil that's so prevalent. And accept the word of God this is what we he's suggesting we do this is what James is telling us these are the words God gave to James to tell us so that we won't be deceived we've got to get rid of the moral filth and accept the word and verse 22 do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves do what it says Notice the two steps. Step one is we've got to choose it and listen to it. This is going to be my source of truth. It's the word of God. But there's a second step. If you just say, yeah, I kind of like that and put it on the bookshelf and say, yeah, look, I got it. You'll deceive yourself. He says you've got to do what it says. You've got to put it on. It's not attractive anymore. Gold, skinny, scratchy. It may not be attractive to the world, but do you know what? There's a lot of things that are attractive to the world that are just lies. So we've got to think real carefully. We've got to take both steps. We've got to choose. We've got to listen. And notice this phrase. It says, be quick to listen. Do you know, I don't know for how long I've quoted this, when I've talked about interpersonal relationships and interpersonal conflicts, I've done it in counselling with clients. But you know what I did? I took a pretext. Because I think there's a truth in that. We do need to listen to one another. I, I think that is a truth. But that truth ain't been said here by James. That's a pretext. You know what James is referring to when he says, be quick to listen? Listen. Look at verse 18. He sets up the theology from verse 18. Verse 18 says the word of God. Look at verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word. we have got to be quick to listen to the word. So when we're standing and interfacing with people, we have got to be quick to listen to Jesus before we respond. I've always thought it meant I've got to be quick to listen to you so that I don't jump in and say my bit. He's saying, be quick to listen to the word of God. He'll tell me what to say. You don't want to hear what i got to say. You want to hear what he's got to say. We have got to be so careful that we don't get deceived. See how easy it is. Pretext is not the truth. Context will provide you the truth. And the context of being quick to listen is be quick to listen to his word. You'll be saved so you won't be deceived, so you'll overcome. We've got to be constantly praying. It's prayer that overcomes. I've got to be praying the whole time when I'm talking to people. I've got to be quick to listen to what he's saying to me. He might be saying to me, shut up, Liz, let him talk. He might be saying to me, tell him to stop. He might be saying to me, give him a hug. He might be, sa- but I've got to be quick to listen to him. So it comes from him, not me. Who cares about what I say? It doesn't matter. What matters is what he's saying to me. But if I'm not listening to him, I I can't give it to anybody. The word of truth needs to be buckled around your waist and tied on so tight, and we've got to keep picking it up every single day, every second. Every time I listen to him and do what he says, I'm choosing his word of truth, and I'm putting it on, and I'm doing what he says. He says, Liz, say this. Do you really want me to say this to this person? It's a bit yucky. You've got a choice, Liz, but I'm telling you, this is what this person needs to hear. I've got to be quick to listen to him, and I've got to accept his word, not argue with his word. I don't want to tell that person that thing. That's a bit yucky, or that's a bit rude, or that doesn't sound right to me. He doesn't care. What he cares about is that I be quick to listen and obey. Don't just listen to me. You've got to obey me. There's two steps. There's always two steps. Don't just do the first step. Stick up the Bible on the shelf and listen to someone else talk about it. You have to interact with Jesus. It's the prayer that overcomes and the prayer is listening to him. Prayer is not telling God. Prayer is listening to God. Why do we get that wrong? Why is it when we come to pray, it's like, oh, there's something really good I can tell you, God. Let me, uh, prayer is about God, show me, tell me, help me. I want to hear you, God. Open my eyes, clean out my ears. We come to prayer to listen. We need to be quick to listen, slow to speak. I want to listen. I want to hear you, God. I want to hear you, God. Help me hear you, God, and then I'll speak. We've got so much going on. We forget to listen. Prayer that overcomes is a listening prayer, not a telling prayer. We've got to get that right. So the source of your truth is indeed going to determine the course of your life. And no matter how many times you read the Bible, how many times you pick it up, how many times you put it on, in fact, probably the converse is true. The more you read it, the more you put it on, the more you're going to be Tempted not to. You see, Jesus shows us how to put the belt on and keep it on. Matthew four one says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Not that anyone can tempt God, but devil the devil had a go at trying to tempt him. So three times the devil tried to tempt Jesus, and three times Jesus responded, It is written. He has accepted the word. Yes, he is the word, but we're accepting the word just like he is the word, and he referred to the word. The devil couldn't push against him. It was like, no, it is written. When we get tempted by ideas from the devil, we got to say, it is written. I have the source of truth, and I've put it on, so I know that it is written. This ain't right. You don't need to know about all the deceptions. If you know the truth then you just compare everything to the truth and you can say it is written every single time. And what did the devil do? He fleed from Jesus. We can do the same thing. You have it. You just got to be quick to listen. What is it, Jesus? Tell me. This doesn't sound quite right. You know, his voice of truth will stir you up when it's not the truth. And after he stirs you up, then you've got to say, okay, this isn't quite right. You're telling him it's not quite right. What is right? What is the truth? Show me the truth. You're the voice of truth. Bring back to my remembrance. He will bring it back to your remembrance. He promises that in the Bible. Bring back to my remembrance the truth in this situation. What is written in your word? It doesn't matter if you can't remember chapter and verse, you can't remember the exact words, but he will show you and he will tell you if you've picked up his word, put it on, spent time in his word and accepted his word. It's too late if you think you can stick it on the shelf and then when you run into trouble, (gasps) quick! what was that verse again? I heard it mm, three weeks ago in a sermon. You've got to be quick to listen every single minute of every single day and be ready. We've got to be prepared. That was a message we heard earlier today. So we want our Bibles to look like this. We want our Bibles to look like they are fallen apart because we're so desperate to hear him when we go to his word. Show me, I want to listen to you, God, when I open your word. Show me, show me, show me. I want to get it, I don't get it. Show me, help me get it. I got it wrong before. I thought quick to listen was a person. Now you're showing me quick to listen is your word. Thank you, Jesus. We all get it wrong. But you know what? God's a forgiving God, He's full of mercy and compassion. And he says, keep coming back to me. I'll give it to you. I'm so eager to give you the truth. I'm so eager to reveal myself to you. But you've got to come. You've got to come and listen and pick up my word and put it on. So this week and next week and the week after that, in this roller coaster of life, you've got to strap on that belt and you've got to buckle it because you do not want to fall out of that roller coaster, because that's what life is like, isn't it? We have the highs, it's going so well, and then we have the lows. doesn't matter whether you're high or low, you need that belt buckled on real tight, because you do not want to fall out of the roller coaster ride. It hurts when you fall. It's not nice when you fall. And the problem is there's other people beside you that you're affecting when you fall. So let's stand. and let's close our eyes let's be quiet Jesus we come to you today we're not coming to you to tell you stuff we're not coming to you to try and impress you or to impress one another we're coming to you, Lord Jesus, because we want to be quick to listen to you. Lord Jesus, you are the voice of truth. You are the God of truth. Your word is the very truth that we need to take every step in life. Lord Jesus, help us to accept your word, to humbly accept your word not to disagree with your word, not to dispute your word, not to be bored by your word, not to discard your word, not to buy this book and then stick it on a shelf and think that somehow that's our source of truth. Help us, Lord Jesus, to keep coming to your word, to choosing your word as our source of truth. Lord Jesus, help us every single day to pick up your word, to come to your word with an ear that is so willing to listen to you. Lord Jesus, as we interact with one another, as we interact to each other and those in the world that don't know you, help us to be quick to listen to your spirit of truth, to your voice of truth that is going to tell you the exact right words to say. Lord Jesus, help us open our ears, open our eyes, Lord, turn our hearts of stone into flesh to be open to you. Thank you for planning your word in our hearts, Lord Jesus. Now help us to listen to you. Help us to listen to your voice. Help us to listen to your spirit. Lord, help us not to be deceived. Help us not to think we can just read your word and then think it's for somebody else. Help us to apply it to our life. Help us to be obedient to your voice. Help us to reach out to you and cry out to you, Lord Jesus, every single day. Help us, Lord Jesus, we pray. We are hopeless and helpless without you. Help us not to think that we can be independent from you and somehow go to another source. Forgive us, Lord Jesus, for picking up the wrong belts. Forgive us, Lord Jesus, for not coming to you first. Lord Jesus help each person in this room to come to you To choose you as their source of truth Lord Jesus we don't want to miss you Jesus And we're going to miss you if we miss your word of truth Help each person I pray In your beautiful beautiful name And everybody said Amen. Amen